You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. Fan-jolly-tastic. As I alluded to briefly last week, um, although I wasn't ministering last week, I was here. It was just really good to have time off and be on holiday and enjoy some vacation, be literally close to the mountains. Um, and that was all ooh, really amazing and beautiful. Um, Thanks to Mark for ministering in my absence and for everyone for making it all, all possible. But I think one of the, the chain, one of the challenges for me is not sharing for like two weeks in a row. Monday I got back and I just slipped into a bit of a lazy week. And Tuesday there were a whole lot of other things going on, and then I got sucked up in what was happening in the in the United Kingdom and everything. And then come Wednesday I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's almost Sunday, um, and yeah. So I'm just delighted to be. To be to be back at host, but I I thank you for the absolute privilege and the joy of being able to to share, and I get to do it now on Sunday morning. But we get to do that most moments of most days, twenty four seven, three sixty five, and that is the beauty. Not just what ha- takes place here on Sunday, but this is just an opportunity for us to come together half time to be refreshed. You should almost have like oranges on Sunday, you know, it's, it's half time, guys, we, we reach half time, we're having oranges, a little bit of team talk, and then we go out and we're in for the, for the rest of the, of the week, and so that's, that's beautiful, and have you not shared for, for two Sundays, I said to Alison, even I forgot what I shared like three weeks ago, <laughs> and so I had to go back, and it's not helpful when you are like in the process of a series, but as most of you know, I've been doing a series for, for a while, and I'm carrying on sharing from the the book of Ephesians and so this is part two of the part called A New Humanity sharing from Ephesians. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus and I'm just so envious. I've been sharing about Ephesus and in the next week Amy is going to Ephesus and you know Ali and I've had the privilege of, of being there as well but the reality is that when we read the Holy Scriptures and, we, and we're reading through, through the book of Ephesians and it is as relevant to us today here in Johannesburg in South Africa as it was to the church in Ephesus all those years ago. And I want you to remind us it's not just enough to know your theology. It's what you do with your theology that matters. So we can understand something of Ephesus. We can, un- we can have an understanding of theology, but what you do with that makes a difference. You know, I, I love food and I can understand the difference and I don't. I don't really understand the difference between protons and proteins. I just know what I like and I can have an understanding of food, but what people do with that food is what really matters to me. And often it's the same with our theology. Your theology matters, but how your theology matters is what makes us relevant. It's what brings life to your understanding of theology and God. Because in my view, it's possible to live out the way of Jesus without living out the spirit 
of Jesus. And that's where people get burned out. That's where people get frustrated. For me, that's where people get annoyed and miffed with church. And God didn't happen and God didn't break through. It's because we can understand the, the way of Jesus, but without living in the spirit of Jesus, that He is joy, that He is love, that He is forgiveness, that He is glorious, that He is amazing, that He is an overcomer, that He loves you, that He wants the best for you. Regardless of what anybody else says, you are amazing, you are glorious, not to you are beautiful. As of all of us, how the church matters, not just why the church matters. Sometimes I feel that I get fed up with hearing why, 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 why the church matters. But the reality is how we do church is more important than just why we do church. Paul writes in chapter 1, you have been chosen, we can do a whole week there, you have been adopted, another week there, you have been loved, another week there, you have been made alive. How many believers do you look at and you go, yes, you have been made alive. Sometimes I look at some, I, I, like, there are a couple of us that are just like, you know, overly alive and sometimes we go, just turn it down. You are more noisy than you are alive. But I want to be surrounded by a group of believers who are really alive. And this culminates in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpieces. And I spent a couple of weeks sharing on the masterpiece and how your part of the masterpiece fits into the bigger puzzle, the bigger part of what God is doing. How I said that if it's just you and God, you are in a cult. Because nothing that God does is just you in isolation. We are part of a family, a community. That is the masterpiece of God. For we are God's masterpiece. Not you. We are God's masterpiece. You are a part of God's masterpiece. And He has created us in you in Christ Jesus. So that we can do good things He planned for us to do long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Friends, the Bible is far more communal than individual. Everything about Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the kingdom of God, the government of church, the family, the relationship that God has called you. Everything about God is communal, not individual. Paul says, our Lord, 53 times, and he says, my Lord, once. It's about a family. It's about being in a community together. And I often hear people talk about Jesus as my personal Savior. The reality is, nowhere does that exist in Scripture. Everything is about community and family and how we tuck in and do things together holy spirit is far more of a scrum where you just have your you just smell your brother's smelly armpit sometimes you know and you know and that that's kingdom of god it's a scrum we get in there we scrum together we do things together. It sounds like you think it's just like a, 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 a relay race. I do my part, you do your part. And as long as we've got a 30 seconds crossover every now and then, it's, it's adequate. It's not. It's about getting deep down and sweaty together. Yeah. When Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he say? He says, your father. No, he says, our father. Our father who ought to have been. And I said last uh, two weeks, three weeks ago, when we understand our Father, our Father, our Father, we, we talk about our Father, that's where brothers and sisters in Christ come. That's when we have family. That's when I can look at somebody and go, you are my brother. Why are you my brother? Because we serve and love and come from the same Father. Our DNA, our lineage is different. 
It's not a charismatic bumper sticker. It's the DNA of who we are and what we call to. So we together are his masterpiece. In Ephesians 2 verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him by ritual and home group and Bible study. No, you've been brought near to Him by the blood of Christ. So here is, so here is Paul speaking to the followers of Jesus, both Jews and Gentiles who had found themselves in the house of church, living a new way of following Jesus and of knowing Jesus so that we can become like Jesus. It's not just good enough to follow Jesus or even knowing Jesus. It's to follow Jesus together, knowing Jesus together and becoming like Jesus together. And Paul reminds them, don't forget my friends, once you were an outsider, once you did not fit in, once you were not welcome, once you did not have a part in this. And he reminds them, and I feel that this is almost a reminder. No, this probably is a reminder. Stu, stop skirting the issue. This is a reminder. This is a reminder to the church today that we mustn't take a platform, a position, or a, or a theology. Because as soon as, we diff, we, as soon as we do, we forget that we are called to lift one another up. Not to label one another. Rather than inspiring one another, they isolated one another. They forgot that it wasn't about serving. And they made it about segregating. And this is what Paul is addressing. And for me, it's so familiar in our churches in our countries, in our communities today. The people of the church and the leaders of her people who are called and we are mandated to love one another full stop. But we sometimes we get caught up in this unhealthy thing of using our so-called spirituality and our posture of being God's people, not to love, but to be right. Standing on a pedestal of righteousness, fighting against the world, fighting against one another, fighting against factions and groups where we have the privilege of humbling ourselves that we can love all the communities. That's what Jesus did. In Philippians 2 verse 6, though he was God, when I shared this last time, I reminded us that he is God and we are not. He did not think of equality with God, something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Bill Harbles wrote an amazing book years ago, Descending into Greatness. How many of you want the most amazing things that God has for you? Well, the way to get it is to descend into greatness. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is our Jesus, our example, 
our Savior, our friend, the one that we are following and the one that we want to be like. Jesus, I want to be just like you. I want to turn water to wine. Sometimes I want to turn water to cappuccino and black coffee, especially on load shedding when the kettle's not working, you know. And God, I just want to be just like you in all these things. But when you are sent out to be tempted and tested and when you are persecuted and when you are not known and when people judge you and when people persecute you and when people come against you, give that to the guy down the road. You know, I, I, I'm happy to share. 50-50 and for the rest we phone a friend. And that's how Jesus, Jesus who laid down his right and laid down his privilege, and Jesus who can defend himself in every possible way, even to the point of death. Here's the one that we are following. Friends, we call to follow Jesus and lay down our lives so that the world will meet our King, our Savior, and our friend. We live in a culture of today when so much is about me, so much is about the end result and not the journey. There's so much about so many different things that the world no longer sees a group of people who are willing to lay down their lives, who are willing to lay down winning for the bigger picture, for the person next door, who are able to make a sacrifice, even if it is just opening up our home or taking a meal or giving up some time or going to encourage somebody when it's just not convenient let alone getting together on a Sunday morning to be able to worship and glorify Him. Friends, I've been saying a while that God has taken us into something new, and I'll allude to it later, but I have to just think that God is wanting to do something different in us. Are we open to Holy Spirit doing something different in us? Are we open to looking somewhat different? Are we open to receiving from Holy Spirit in a slightly or even radically different way. The cross is Jesus' way of crossing over lines. As soon as we talk about them and us, it's about probably us feeling small or feeling self-righteous. Or sometimes it's because we feel that we're out of control, that we have to judge them. Or we feel that we are also superior and almighty that we can, can judge them. The reality is Jesus never called us to be in control. And Jesus never called us to be right. You're so busy defending the core or your cause that we miss Jesus. And I think we often miss Jesus because Jesus was often on the fringe of things. Jesus was probably more often in the places that the church doesn't want to go to. I think we see Jesus more often when we go, go and spend time with the prostitutes on a Thursday night than we sometimes do on a Sunday morning in some places. Because Jesus is living with the people that he loves. And we spend our time living in the place where we want to be right. Paul reminds them in the early church of who they are. He reminds them of what it used to be like. What it used to feel like to be far from God. In verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, into his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostilities that separated people. Christ brought peace. He unites us 
It's Jesus who brings the ultimate unity, not a political party or a government or a thought or a process or a training or a prophetic word or a Bible study or a group or a church or a denomination. It's Jesus who unites his people in the most profound way. At this point in history, there were two prominent groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. And to say that the Jews and the Gentiles in this day hated each other is probably understated. It, it kind of I'm, oh, it kind of, no, I mustn't say that. I'm going to get into trouble. We don't, we, you want me to get into trouble. It, you know, it's, it, it, if we say that they hate each other, we, you know, apartheid doesn't even do justice to it. They, they loathed each other. It, 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 I, I don't know how to say they hate each other in a stronger word than, than they really had this intolerance to, towards each other. The division and the animosity towards them was greater than the, 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 the lions versus the bulls. You know, it, it, it was something like really, really strong. It's, we, we, we don't really understand how much they hated each other. The Jews who felt that they were the chosen people from God considered everybody else to be half human. They would heap insults on the Gentiles on a regular basis because they were God's people and the others were not. We have it and you don't. And yet they were called to show love to God's people. In these days it was illegal for a Jewish person in these days if Father God changes water to something, your will be done. I'd be healthy at the moment, so I'm even happy for orange juice, let alone like, you know, my goodness, imagine if we turn into red wine on a Sunday morning. Oh, Americana coffee, Lord. You, yeah, yeah, well, that, 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 that's... Tracy, <laughs> uh, you can bring a mojito for me any Sunday morning. Mm. Sadly, the, the mojitos in our fridge are the alcohol-free ones. But, but I, I have faith that God can do the most amazing things. Uh, fantastic. But it was illegal for Jewish people to help Gentiles with childbirth. Because just by doing that, you were bringing imperfection and a half-breed into the world. That's how much the hatred and animosity was there. Whenever, whenever Gentiles returned back to the, to the city away from a trip, there was a prophetic act they would do where they would literally pause and dust everything off so that they didn't bring any Gentile mess or anything into the city. If they were living in, in these days, we would have extra sanitization tents for them before they, 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 they walked in. And, you know, and imagine if, if just because you were so judged, every time you went into something, you had to sanitize, put on a mask, dust each other off, go through a, 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 a sanitization tent just to be able to, to come in. And yet that's the animosity between them. And now we have them sitting at the same table. These Jews and Gentiles, and as long as there has been decades, suddenly they're sitting at the same table. They would have found themselves for the first time face to face in an environment, a situation that wasn't super hostile. They were in church, they were in house church, they were at a table having a meal, breaking bread together. 
There's people that hate each other with a passion, but have now given their lives and their hearts to Jesus. These are people that were at the same table. They had experienced the same baptism. They had experienced the same Jesus. They had a desire to come together as one in Him. They wanted their unity, not to be in what they ate or how they presented themselves, but the unity was something profound. We want to be united in King Jesus. And after centuries of hostility, Paul writes and makes this claim that somehow Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross is able to bring peace to both Jews and Gentiles. He's able to bring peace to English and Afrikaans. He's able to bring peace to black and white. I even learned a new phrase in the past couple of weeks called a windy. Uh, and Shemaine is teaching me things. Uh, 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 someone who has both white and Indian family. And so he's able to bring peace to so many. He's able to bring peace to the rich and the poor. He's able to bring peace to both male and female. He is the one who's able to bring profound peace. And Santa's friends, I can read it go, and Jesus brought peace to the world. O Lang Zai, Christmas carol, joy to the world. But we, if we don't understand the hostility, we don't understand the peace that he brought. We kind of lose sight of the hostility. And therefore the peace that Jesus brings is kind of like, you know, well, it was there. You know, it's like peace, love and joy and, and all the rest. But friends, Jesus brought peace and he wants us to be a people who demonstrate peace. And it's not a command and it's not even a suggestion. Because this is what Jesus did. This is who Jesus is. And sometimes we feel that we're going to bring peace in a situation by raising a white flag or by learning to tolerate one another. I'll understand your mess, you understand my mess, I like you a bit, you like me a bit. As long as we're 50-50, we have peace. As long as we're not at war, we have peace. As long as we're not disagreeing, we have peace. But Jesus is saying, no, the peace that I want in my community, the peace that I want in Johannesburg, the peace that I want in South Africa is a peace that can only come from the Lord of Lords and King of Kings himself. Jesus united. Forget Manchester United. Ah, I had to get that in. Who wants Manchester United when you can have Jesus united? You know? And Jesus United supports Chelsea, I think. I'm not too sure. But, you know. But at least we can agree. At least we can agree this time more that Jesus United trumps Manchester United. You know, and we have Jesus United. Jesus who unites everybody. Jesus who unites people. Jesus who unites English and Afrikaans, Jews and Gentiles. Every part of our community. Jesus who brings us great joy. This is not Jesus changing the hearts of the Jews, asking them to love and to tolerate. This is not the, the Gentiles loving the Jews over a peace treaty or ultimatum or white flag. This is Jesus taking two groups of people that literally come from different planets. They have different beliefs. They have different value systems. Everything about them and their culture and their upbringing, everything is absolutely different. And Jesus has said, I am going to give you peace 
and I'm going to make you one. I'm going to make you one people. I'm going to create a new people group. I'm going to bring one family. I'm going to bring a new human humanity to the world. The people who are my sons and daughters that I love and you get to love one another. When Jesus was on the cross, mankind looked up and saw a person bleed out. When Jesus was on the cross, heaven looked down and saw something totally different. Heaven looked down and saw the creation of a new humanity, of a new mankind. That is what our new DNA is. That's what our new value is. That's what it means to be a new creation. That we get to unconditionally, in kingdom Jesus, God himself, love one another. Not just because we attend the same church or parish or something. Not just because we enjoy going to the gathering of the clans on a Friday afternoon or something. Those are the things that unite us. What unites us is King Jesus. And the way that he unites us is he fundamentally and forever changes people groups. And brings in a new humanity, a new humankind. Now I'm going to get clever I'm just looking at your list here. Anton and Ira and um, are in Bella Bella um, on holiday. So there's two Greek words for new. You know that? Just not and agree. And if I'm wrong, sort me out afterwards. There are two new. There are two words for new in Greek. One is neos. I've got a thumbs up. Neos means new in time. It's new because it's recent. I've got a new car. I have got a new pair of shoes. Um, there's something new that's happened. We're going to have, we've got a new, whatever the case be, near us. It's new because it's recent. And then there's Kainos. John, got a thumbs up from John? At the back, I've got a thumbs up from the back. United Nations are all in agreement with us this morning. Kainos. And this is what, the, this is what Paul is using here. Kainos is new. But it's new in essence. It's new because it has never existed before. So Paul isn't saying I'm bringing in a new humanity, a new creation, a new something, just because it's a, an upgrade. Not just because you've got a new car. He's saying this new is something that you've never ever seen or experienced before. You cannot understand this. You cannot even compare it because it's just never existed before. And sometimes we go, you're a new creation. You're a new person. We go, that's quite sweet. But there's nothing sweet or cute about it. This is absolutely never ever been seen before. And this is what Paul is using to describe what Jesus did as something never done before. And he's not asking people to get along. He's saying, People, you are different. You are new. I'm trying to illustrate this. And even as I've been preparing, it's difficult to try and find jargon and English and examples to, ex to, to illustrate 
And, and for me, if, if it's difficult to just get into my heart, no wonder it sometimes becomes so difficult to get our minds around what God has done for us and what Jesus has done for us. That through his body broken on the cross, Jesus broke down all walls of hostility. Jesus broke down all walls of difference. Every reason that you thought you had to not like, to disagree, to tap out, to dial out, Jesus tore them down and said those are no longer valid because that's the old person. You are a totally different, not upgraded community. The strange thing is like we look at the hostilities that happen and we go, well, I kind of resonate when people disagree. You know, even in a family of five, we, we disagree on a, often on a regular basis. The older your children get, the more you kind of disagree on things. John, and does that change after like tw- when you go into your 20s and 30s with your children? I, I'm, I, not, not always. Oh, and I, I'm holding fast to, 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 to that. I keep going as long as I can get through the teenage years, you know. Um, but like we, we look at disagreement and, but the reality is that there was actually walls and barriers in their, hostel- in their hostilities. It wasn't just cute language that they were using. There was a temple and they were called for the Jews and they were separated by a wall. There was a physical barrier of hatred. There was a physical barrier of loathing where you just couldn't, you were so filthy, you were so dirty, you were so unwelcome, you were so dog-like, dog-like, you were so half-human, that there were barriers put up to protect your type from my type. There was a court of the Gentiles, and then there was a massive wall. Then there was a second wall, just in case the virus got over that, that was 14 foot high. And then there was another wall, a third wall, that was five foot high, just to make sure that your gyms didn't come into my gyms. Imagine, all we have is a mask today to keep the gyms out. They had everything. They built up barriers to demonstrate how much you are different to me and how unworthy you are and how superior I am. It was physical. It was tangible. It was emotional. It was mental. It was abusive. It was filthy. It was bad. And Jesus says, I'm beyond just breaking down a wall. I'm breaking down it all. There is absolutely nothing that prevents unity and family in the kingdom of God when we understand King Jesus and what he has done. And we can read about this in scriptures and Paul writes it as a demonstration of what is happening in Ephesus. And we read the Holy Scriptures today as a Father God in our community, in our relationships, in our churches, in our city. When we are Kairos knew and not Neos knew. We behave, we belong, we believe differently because we are differently. Friends, Jesus made us one new humanity. 
And it's not to judge, it's to join. It's not to label, it's to lift. It's not to reject, it's to rejoin, rejuvenate, and renew. Jesus wants to change our hearts. And changing our hearts happens when we realize that it's our heart that is replaced. It's not an upgrade. It's a DNA. And as we move into a season of difference, I'm absolutely convinced that as a group of friends and as a church, as a community, let's rise up and say we're going to be different. We're going to love differently. Not because Stuart says that we need to overcome our issues and our frustrations and our hurts. We love differently because we are different. Let's love our community differently. Not because it's us and them. Not because we have it and they don't. Not because we are two steps closer to Jesus than somebody else. But because we're different. We're lovers. We're victorious. We are kingdom makers. I honestly feel that coming out of the past two years of isolation, of COVID, has put us into a position, a place where too much of what we do has become about me and my survival. Me and my health, me and my locking down the hatchets, my self-preservation. And I want to say this morning, let's smash that thing to bits. Let's shatter it. <coughs> and we ask that King Jesus this morning is reminding us that we are one people, one family. I'm not just saying here. I'm saying our thoughts and our process, how we love, how we lay down, how we serve, how we honor, how we sacrifice. And I kind of use English and, well, I've got other language to use. <laughs> I can't really use English, and I'm unlike John, who's clever and can even use Latin. Or, um, you can use Afrikaans. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I've tried to use Afrikaans in the past couple of weeks, and I got into trouble, so I, I, I won't. Um, I realized some of my some of my Afrikaans language to try to be humorous was inappropriate for 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 um, Sunday mornings, let alone for for Friday nights. But imagine a group of pens, a group of pens, a group of friends with pens. <laughs> oh, Lord, make this water. <laughs> Turn it back to water. <laughs> uh, we went to Berg a couple of weeks ago, and so I packed everything, and I put a, a bottle with um, oil in. So at least when we're in the Berg, we can make popcorn and things like that. And it was in a bottle like this, and I left it next to the coffee machine. So Addie took my, the water and just put it into my coffee machine. It's like, oh, no. 
Where was I? Father God, we want to be a group of friends who love Jesus and want to change the world. How do we do that? Here I am, Lord. Use me. My byline for so many years has been, Lord, our job is to love people. Your, do- your job is to change them. May we never get it wrong. In His beautiful name. And all the saints said, Amen, Amen and Gloria. Fantastic. Thank you. Candice. Thank you for listening.